Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the Washington Weekly Podcast on the UBS In The Now podcast channel. Joining us once again for the conversation, glad to welcome back Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. Shane, great to have you back here on the podcast. Thank you for dropping by on a Friday morning. Looking forward to our conversation. Thanks, Dan. Good to be back with you. Absolutely. So we've been updating our listeners over the past few weeks on the search for the next Speaker of the House. So that finally came to an end this week with the election of Representative Mike Johnson. As a starting point, Shane, can you provide us a bit of background on who Representative or now House Speaker Mike Johnson is? Yeah, no, it took about three weeks after ousting uh, Speaker McCarthy for Republicans to finally elect Congressman Mike Johnson as the new Speaker of the House, and he received uh, unanimous support from Republicans. Um, you know, other than being the most Googled man in America this week, you know, he he has been de- around D.C. for a few years and, you know, is kind of known, but not well known in D.C. You know, he He's 51 years old. He's from Western Louisiana. And over his time in, in D.C., he served on the House Judiciary and the House Armed Services Committee. He's kind of been a little bit lower profile in the sense of, you know, he's not a guy who goes on TV every every uh, day or even every week to, you know, the, the uh, to, to, how, to hoot and holler about issues. You know, he has been largely focused um in his time in D.C. on social issues, you know, religious liberty, abortion, same-sex marriage. He's also, at one point, he was the chairman of the RSC, which is kind of the uh, largest block of conservatives, um, maybe traditional conservatives in the House Republican Caucus. He's actually, you know, kind of affable, very soft-spoken and well-liked by his peers. And that essentially, you know, was able uh, to propel him into the role of speaker because he didn't have enemies within the Republican conference like some of the other um, people who were speaker designate but did not have sufficient support to become speaker. You know, there no member really had a big axe to grind against him like the others. Um, so that uh, got him uh, to a point where, you know, he was kind of the perfect candidate for Republicans in the sense that he was the person that could get sufficient support to become speaker. You know, everyone else had some kind of um, uh, knock against them or a red check mark that prevented them from being speaker. So here we are. And Mike Johnson is now the 56th speaker of the House. So, Shane, I have to imagine that Speaker Johnson has quite the agenda ahead of him, a lot going on at the moment. What would you cite as being some of his near-term priorities or agenda-focused items? Yeah, I mean, immediately after uh, getting the gavel, he uh, um, brought a resolution to the floor condemning Hamas's attack on Israel, and then uh, right after that moved to uh, consideration of the energy and water appropriations bill. So, you know, as you and I have talked about government funding in the past, there are 12 separate bills that fund government operations. So this is important to the really conservative wing of the Republican Party. They have felt that, you know, they were just being forced in this position where they had to, instead of doing these 12 in bills individually, just swallow, you know, 
uh, you know, an omnibus, which captured all of them. So this is very important to him in the next few weeks is that he's going to try and pass as many of these 12 bills so that he has a better hand uh, to negotiate with the Senate before the November 17th deadline for um, uh, when government funding ends. And if nothing is done at that point, there would be a government shutdown. So that is kind of priority number one. You know, uh, I think there's, you know, maybe not priority number one, but like, you know, these few things that are at the top of the list. And I think that would probably be at the top of the list, as well as this large uh, aid package that the Biden has requested coming in at over $100 billion. The biggest portion of that, as we've discussed, is funding for Ukraine. And then there's funding for uh, Israel. There's also funding for Taiwan, um, border security in the United States and a few other issues. So how he deals with that will will be uh, in front of him uh, shortly and very important to his speakership and how he manages uh, the members who, you know, may support aid for Israel, but do not support further uh, aid for Ukraine. Or maybe they support aid for Ukraine with some certain um, strings attached. So that's that's kind of in front of them. Um, and then, you know, I would break it into, you know, the tier two, which is a whole host of things that are, you know, should be done before the end of the year, like a Department of Defense authorization bill, uh, potentially a farm bill, um, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance, Intelligence Surveillance Act has a provision that expires and needs to be renewed. So um, there are a number of items, you know, uh, that he needs to deal with before the end of the year. But I think those are kind of the two tiers I would De, uh, um, delineate, which is, you know, the immediate, which is that he has to deal with in the next few weeks, and then the other items that he's going to try to address before the end of the year. Well, it definitely is a positive that the search has come to an end. There is a new House Speaker in place so that Congress is able to move on and continue their work. So thank you, Shane, for the updates there and for keeping our listeners, our clients, informed throughout the process. I do want to switch gears a bit, talk about geopolitics. Of course, we've been keeping our listeners informed over the past several weeks now on developments surrounding the ongoing Israel-Hamas war. Very fluid with recent calls for a ceasefire that, on a global scale, an effort to end the hostage crisis as well as ensure delivery of aid to civilians in the impacted war zones. Uh, what's the latest as of today, Shane? Yeah, there's obviously a lot going on here. You know, um, let's start with, you know, only a few hostages have been um, released and, you know, approximately 200 plus uh, remain. Uh, in Gaza, and that is uh, a very big focus. And, you know, you've seen Israel actually in the past two days um, have some small raids into Gaza, and that is, you know, kind of um, uh, setting up for a potential, um, you know, full uh, ground uh, game for Israel to into Gaza. Um, and, you know, there's still a lot of attention, like I said, on the, on the, uh, um, hostages and negotiations behind the scenes. I think Israelis are going to continue to allow some negotiations to go on, but there comes a point where, you know, they'll see that maybe negotiations aren't bearing any fruit and are just a stalling tactic and may have to make the decision to, um, just go in and see how many of the hostages they can save on their own. Um, you know, a lot of um, 
planning being done around the fact that there are hundreds of miles of tunnels deep under Gaza, probably 40 feet underneath the ground level uh, that got, that Hamas has been building for years and quite frankly been using resources, you know, that were meant for Palestinians. And, you know, I think that's going to be a very tricky situation for Israelis to deal with. Um, at the same time, you have um, almost a thousand U.S. Marines landing in Israel and standing by um, because you're seeing uh, Iran try to get involved via Hezbollah, via um, Syria. And you actually just saw, I believe, overnight um, uh, the U.S. bombed two facilities in Syria as a warning and pushed back to Syria and uh, Iran. Uh, from getting involved in in um, this uh, war. So, you know, there are many moving parts here. And, you know, the concern of, of Iran's involvement is growing. As, uh, we saw this week representatives from Iran and Hamas traveled to Moscow and met with uh, Russian uh, leaders. Uh, now, the Russian perspective was that they were trying to negotiate the uh, release of hostages, but, you know, talking to some intel leaders in D.C., you know, what they really focus on is that Russia wants to distract from their war in Ukraine. So, you know, having a, a prolonged battle uh, between Israel and Hamas is in their interest, and uh, they find it very concerning um, that uh, Moscow is interacting with Hamas and Iran. So, you know, um a lot of concern uh, in uh, parts to the situation that uh, continue to grow. And, you know, as, as we, you, we I say, I think every time we talk now about this, you know, it, it's becoming more and more evident that uh, we're in for probably a long haul uh, war here, not uh, something that like previous um, you know, um, skirmishes have lasted a, a week or two. Unfortunately, it does sound that way, Shane. As you pointed out, a lot of complexities, a lot of components involved with uh, this ongoing story. And of course, as you said, we will keep our listeners and clients informed along the way. Though, Shane, thank you very much, as always, for dropping by the podcast, uh, keeping our listeners informed on important topics, issues here at home and abroad. And of course, do look forward to picking back up with our conversation again next week. Well, again, thank you for having me and uh, I look forward to catching up with you next time and have a great weekend. Thank you, Shane. Enjoy the weekend. Appreciate it. We have been joined today by Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. As always, I do want to point out to our listeners, as well as our clients of UBS, that the Washington Weekly publication is now available for you up on UBS.com slash Washington Weekly. Again, that's UBS.com slash Washington Weekly. For clients of UBS, simply reach out to your UBS financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of the publication directly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. 
As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy. 